You're listening to the Effective Statistician Podcast, the weekly podcast with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske, designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science, and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. This is episode number 78, Reasons Why Statisticians Fail to Lead. Welcome to this webinar organized by the Effective Statistician. I'm Alexander Schacht, as you can see from the screen, and I'm here presenting to Garza with Gary Sullivan. And we are talking about four reasons why statisticians fail to lead and how to overcome them, because the time for statistical leadership is now. Okay, what will we speak about today? We will first speak about what we mean by leadership, because it's not just kind of the administrative leadership that uh, lots of people think about, because this webinar is both for uh, statisticians with and without uh, supervisor uh, responsibilities. We'll also uh, give a little bit of an introduction of, of Gary and myself, and then we go into the core topic about why don't statisticians lead and how you can address these uh, problems. Finally, we will also uh, show you some further solutions that you can go into to accelerate your leadership development. And then we finish with a Q&A. Okay, so welcome everyone. Um, I'm Gary Sullivan. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Uh, so I, I always like to start um, any type of seminar or training with a, a definition of leadership, uh, I think it's really important because if you don't sort of define what it is you're aspiring to, to be or do, uh, I think you can get lost. So this is a definition that we first developed at Eli Lilly Company when I was there, and I've kind of tweaked it over the years. Um, and it reads as the definition of leadership is the ability to consistently deliver value to an organization or cause by inspiring others to take a specific direction or action when they truly have the freedom or choice to do otherwise. Um, I would ask you to sort of think about this defin what definition, whether you find it appropriate for you or think about what, what other definition might be appropriate, but I would guess that it's probably pretty close to, to what this is. Uh, so, so this is kind of what we're striving to do. This is what I strive to do in any training that I provide, and this is what we'll be striving to do in the, the leadership course that uh, we'll be uh, presenting um, over the next few months. So uh, just a quick introduction. I'll let Alexander introduce himself. So I'm a statistician by training. I got my PhD in 2002 from the University of Göttingen and uh, joined the pharma industry directly thereafter. Um, first at Beringer Ingelheim, that then at Lilly, and now I'm just um, moving into my next role at UCB, and I've worked in the late phases for most of this time in uh, neuroscience, in virology, and also in immunology. And in terms of the most of the time where I worked, I worked in the medical affairs and the HDA area, and. Interactions with key opinion leaders is, is very, very important there. And one of the things why I'm so passionate about these leadership topics is I've seen that 
these leadership skills really helped me to progress in my career and uh, and get things done and have a bigger impact uh, at work and also actually bigger job satisfaction for myself. One of the challenges, for example, I, I faced from a leadership perspective was that I really wanted to directly interact with key opinion leaders at advisory boards and, and these kind of settings where we and the pharma industry uh, work together with external physicians. And at the time I started uh, at Lilly, statisticians were rarely invited to these advisory boards, and especially in the affiliate where I was working, uh, nearly nobody from the uh, stats team was invited or really on a very, very occasional uh, thing. However, lots of the input into the strategic discussions, into the design aspects happened at these advisory boards. And for me, it was really important to get in there to actually have an impact and make strategic uh, discussions and also help our customers there better understand uh, the science. So I applied various leadership techniques to actually accomplish that, build relationships with those that um, have a say in that, um, contributed, spoke up, um, and really added value to these advisory boards. So I got more and more included up to the point where I actually was a co-chair of the advisory boards. That's just an example of um, leadership behavior that uh, we want to talk today about and which is also um, why I'm so so interested in it. I see lots of statisticians that have um, are very, very good on the technical basis, but still fail to have an impact at work because they can't combine it with these leadership skills. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. And that's why we are here today and have this webinar. All right, great, Alexander, thank you. Uh, so again, my name is Gary Sullivan. I got my PhD in statistics from Iowa State University way back in 1989. Uh, from there, I joined Eli Lilly Company. I was there for just over 28 years. My time there was kind of split in half. The first half of my career was focused on uh, being a technical statistician or a project statistician, as, as we like to say, um, all, all on the non-clinical side of the business, so in research, product development, and manufacturing. Um, about halfway through my career, I moved over to the management side. I took on uh, some different management roles of statisticians on the non-clinical side. My last role at Lilly for the last seven years I was there, um, I had responsibility for all the non-clinical statisticians as uh, the senior director for all non-clinical statisticians at Lilly. Uh, so, so part of my leadership story is um, back in 2009 when we embarked on a new strategy within our statistical sciences group, um, part of one of the key pillars of our strategy was to develop a leadership program, and, and I was charged with doing that with another individual um, and uh, put that program together. So we have uh, had our own program within the statistics function. We had three, 400 statisticians, and we developed the leadership program for those statisticians because it, we, we decided it was critical to, to our, our strategy that without improving the leadership skills of our statisticians, we couldn't have the impact that we felt that statisticians could have within the company. Um, I, can, I can sort of share stories of, of how 
that impact was realized and how I think we've, we've generated um, tremendous value for Eli Lilly and company. And if you talk to other statisticians uh, that were part of that team, I think they'll say the same thing. Um, from, from there, I got involved with the American Statistical Association. Um, Bob Rodriguez, who was the president of the ASA back in 2012, I got connected with him. He put me on a task force, and that ended up with me helping or actually driving the development to the first ever uh, leadership course uh, that was taught at the joint statistical meetings, and it's been taught there since 2014. Uh, Lisa Lavange, the president this past year, has wanted to expand that initiative and develop a leadership institute, and she's in the process of doing that. As a part of that, I've developed uh, a couple additional courses for the ASA that we're, we've taught. We're in the process of teaching one now. Um, so, uh, and in addition to that, I'm uh, an adjunct professor at Purdue University, um, and I'm teaching a one-credit uh, leadership seminar up there um, as we speak. Uh, so I, I'm very passionate about leadership. I retired from Lilly uh, at the end of 2017 and started my own company, which is focused on um, leadership development and leadership training. Um, and one of the things that we'll talk about is, I think, the, the lost impact that statisticians could have by not leading. Uh, so a, a quick story um, from, from my side uh, back about 10 years ago. Um, I, uh, when, when I had responsibility for the non-clinical side, I used to connect with various people on the research side uh, just to, to understand some of their challenges and, and understand how, how the statisticians were supporting them and whether they were providing them the right collaborative and leadership support. And I developed a good relationship with a senior chemist, and he had shared with me one of his challenges was he was frustrated with some of the bioavailability data that was being generated from the admin group. He didn't understand uh, the variability in the data. He didn't believe the, the assay was in control. And he wasn't sure how they basically made decisions off the data. They would, uh, where the cutoffs were, and they weren't taking into account variability as to whether um, a compound was viable. Um, and so he, he pointed me in the direction of someone from the admin group who he had kind of an adversarial relationship with. He had talked to this person, but they just didn't really get along. Um, so he was kind of stuck. Uh, so I reached out to this individual um, and started talking to him about, you know, the, the assay and the bioavailability assay and other assays. And I was able to, to build trust with that individual, too, and sort of build a bridge between the two. And I convinced the admin scientist who was another senior technical person within his group, um, to, to have a person from my group come over and, and help them um, assess uh, and kind of quantify their assay and the variability in the assay. And long story short, I mean, it ended up being a, a wonderful collaboration. The statistician my, from my group worked with a number of people within the ADME group um, to characterize many of the assays. Uh, the ADME people were really pleased because they felt like they had a better handle on their assays. The chemistry folks were much more pleased because uh, they, the ADME folks were able to answer their questions about variability. And it was a win-win for everyone. And I share this in, as, as an example of this was not anything that was put on my desk as something, a problem I needed to solve. Um, and I think that's the impact that statisticians can have, and frankly, that we're losing out on a lot of times, is we're not 
we're not um, the the opportunities that maybe are the most impactful and value adding are not opportunities that are presented to us. We have to go out and find them. And that requires, I think, leadership skills in terms of building relationships, networking, understanding the business, uh, developing trust with collaborators, and, and then, frankly, seeing opportunities and then driving, driving change. Uh, so I think that's truly leadership. Um, and like I said, the, the benefits that I've seen in my career over the years uh, from, from leadership and, and even the benefits of people around me. I think are sometimes uh, pretty astonishing. And I think statisticians don't realize the impact that they can have um, from, from developing stronger leadership skills. So that's something, that's one reason, like I said, that I'm very passionate about it. And I really feel like statisticians do collectively need to step up and, and learn how to lead and, and go do it. So let's, uh, let's dive into the, the four big reasons, um, at least uh, the four big reasons from our perspective. Uh, you'll see some overlap in these reasons. You might think of other ones, but I think these kind of cover uh, most anything anyone can think of in terms of why statisticians don't The first reason that we've listed here is mindset. Um, as, as you all know, uh, statisticians are, are from, from pretty much early in their, in their graduate training. They're, lead to, uh, they're trained to, to support um, and, and not really lead. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, be, being a, uh, in the, the service in order to, to help others is, is a great endeavor. Um, but um, the way that we're trained, and I don't mean technically, but from a mindset standpoint, is uh, we, we are very sort of logical, concrete thinkers um, that think in terms of facts. Um, I'm seeing this right in front of my eyes as I teach this seminar up at Purdue University. Um, a lot of smart statisticians, I have about 20, 20 graduate students in my class, and it's been a challenge for them to sort of think differently, that I'm not asking them to think about how to develop a specific method or whether a technical approach is right or wrong. Leadership is a very abstract science in a way. Um, and there's, there's no one way to lead and there's no textbook on how to lead. Uh, the different challenges that leaders face, uh, you can't write them all down in, in an encyclopedia of, of textbooks. So it's, it's hard for them to think that way. I can see that, that I'm trying to sort of break them out of a mold that they've been thinking. And because they're, they're, they're getting sort of very technical trained, they're trained to go into a room sit and, and listen to lectures and take notes and ask questions just to clarify things, but they don't think about, um, they're not able to, I think, judge ambiguous situations as well. We're not trained to do that. I think we have good foundational skills to do that, um, but we're trained to consult, teach, research. Um, and I, I fell into this too. When I first hired into Lilly, I, I became very busy. I had lots of, uh, lots of clients, uh, lots of projects. I found success. I felt like I was helping them. Uh, you fall into a routine and, you know, it's kind of like, why change? But we don't see leadership as, as our responsibility necessarily. We really don't see it as, as anyone's responsibility. Someone kind of steps up and always does it. Um, but, but most statisticians never think about it. And as I said in my introduction, um, I think there's a real impact loss here. Um, I can't sort of stress that enough that I think statisticians have, have so much to offer uh, beyond their, their technical skills 
I think were very, very insightful and adept thinkers. Um, and, and I think uh, the sky's the limit as far as statisticians can go. We just need to, to realize that. The second reason, and it's kind of related to the first, is, is a bias toward technical skills. Now, there's, there's no debate that our strength and foundation are our technical skills. Um, that's what we're, we're trained to do initially. That's why we're hired. That's why a lot of people are hired for their technical skills. But I think we fall into a trap of the, the more expertise, the better. Um, and it's, it's hard to kind of break out of that. Um, we fall into, again, this kind of comfort zone of just wanting more and more technical training. And uh, I think it's, it's, it's either too, we realize it too late or never realize it, that we need to, to add to our non-technical skills. And some people call them soft skills. I would just call them leadership skills because that's, that's what they are. Um, again, I saw an example of this um, last year. Uh, a colleague I had worked with within the ASA had proposed and, and had accepted offering a, a leadership course just a one-day leadership course at a, a large technical, a large statistical technical conference. This technical conference was attended by over a thousand statisticians. The the course was sort of put out there along with a lot of the technical courses uh, that were offered, and we couldn't get uh, twelve statisticians. We couldn't even get ten statisticians to sign up for this course, and we had to cancel it. And I, I really think that's that's a, a problem um, with statisticians that we we focus on these technical skills and we feel like that's our bread and butter and the more the better until um, the technical arguments aren't enough. Uh, we, we may go in thinking, hey, this method is better than this method, uh, but there's there's other factors that uh, leaders and decision makers take into consideration or that we as statisticians have to take into consideration and we're not able to to influence them or convince them um, accordingly. Uh, we may start to see opportunities, but we're not skilled at, um, at driving change. Um, I, I, again, I really think that statisticians should focus on technical skills initially in their careers. Um, but as they get into a professional workplace, we need to change the ratio because I think it's it's closer to you know ninety five technical and five percent soft or leadership skills or maybe even worse than that in some sense. And there needs to be a balance as you get further in your career. You need to hone more of your of your soft skills or your leadership skills um, and and focus less on the technical skills. And again, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we should ever abandon our technical ability because I think even even people in, in leadership administrative leadership positions need to have that technical skill. But um, the, the more leadership skills, the better. And we're really sort of biased away from that right now. The the third reason is just a lack of, of leadership understanding. You might even just say sort of the basics of leadership. Uh, so just to, again, give another example from, from early in my career, this was a couple years into my career at Lilly, and I was working with um, a formulator um, in, the, in the tablet development area at Lilly, and he had noticed that um, the way that we sort of selected equipment was kind of haphazard and was, was sometimes sort of disruptive in that um, some cer certain pieces of equipment wouldn't really jive with other pieces or two uh, areas that, that might use the same equipment would buy different pieces of equipment. 
And he really wanted to, to do something about this. And so I was working with him to develop sort of an approach that was, was somewhat based in data and quantitative in terms of assessing some of the capabilities of the different equipment and, and maybe bringing a more quantitative and logical approach toward, toward purchasing equipment and implementing it. And we, we ran this by one of the leaders over there who was an executive director in the area. Um, and uh, at one point, after several meetings, I mean, he became convinced and he just kind of said, okay, I'm, I'm convinced, show me the way. In a sense, he was saying, okay, go lead this. And I was a little bit paralyzed, to be honest with you. Um, I really didn't know the next step, steps to take. Um, I really didn't understand that I would have needed to to network the idea with with leaders within the area that was going to be impacted uh, to influence people or to really know how to sort of drive that change. Um, so I think it's it's just sort of a basic understanding of leadership and some of the basic leadership skills and fundamentals would have been really helpful to me uh, at that time. Um, so I, I sort of come to the the conclusion that it's it's never too early to to invest in your leadership skills. Um, I think again, I don't know if graduate school is is too early. I think I'm going to at least create a little bit of a a mindset change for some of the folks I'm teaching now. But hopefully, within the first few years of their professional career, they'll start to see that uh, some of the concepts that I, I was sharing with them. Um, they really need to to invest in and hone those skills. The fourth reason is a lack of um, big picture thinking. Again, statistical consulting provides lots of of tactical challenges. We we have lots of opportunities to um, to to optimize and develop new methods. Um, when when we get a data set, there are lots of different ways that you can we can analyze the data set, but sometimes. We, we can sort of get in too deep here, that our focus becomes um, the, the tactical aspects of the project and uh, not the strategic aspects. So it kind of gets back to our training. Our focus is on the immediate customer, the immediate problem. We don't think bigger picture. We don't think um, what's the, the question that my analysis is trying to answer or the question beyond that question. So again, another quick example. Uh, again, earlier in my career, and this is this is back in the early to mid '90s. Um, I had this idea that uh, we could we could leverage statistical experimental design uh, to really demonstrate robustness in our processes. This is when I was working in the bioproduct development area, and so this was, you know, about seven or eight years ahead of the FDA's 21st Century Initiative and the Quality by Design Initiative that really impacted the, the CMNC development and manufacturing side of the business. That was sort of the basis of, of, of their, uh, their thinking. And this was well before that. And I took it to my senior director at the time, who was a non-statistician. And again, I mean, he, he didn't think it was a bad idea um, but I thought it was more his job to lead it than my job. Um, and it kind of goes back to the, the previous reason around leadership basics is, is I really didn't know that I, I needed to take this idea. I needed to, to network it. I needed to reach out to manufacturing and find out how it would impact them, get some people on board, uh, form uh, maybe a task force, um, look for 
look for management support, but, but actually I needed to drive it. And I didn't really have that, that big picture mindset. Um, I didn't really realize how impactful, you know, something like that would be and how far reaching it would be and how important it would have been. Um, so it, it, it really didn't go anywhere. And then seven, eight years later, when the FDA initiative came out, I just sort of looked at myself like, you know, I was thinking that way and I just didn't know what to do with that opportunity or that idea. Um, so again, it's something where I think if, if we invest, uh, in, in our statisticians, invest in ourselves, uh, to, to develop these leadership skills early on. And, and even later on, I don't think there's, there's a bad time to do it. Um, that, uh, it would will pay tremendous dividends and, and deliver, I think, value to our organizations that, uh, that maybe we couldn't, couldn't really imagine. I've seen that at, at Illinois. The question comes, okay, well, how do we address these issues? And this was part of the seminar. What, what should we do about them? And I'll go over some high level things here and then maybe give you some specific ideas on the next slide. But I mean, first and foremost, the, the first obvious answer is to invest in, in leadership development. And, and I'll say early in your career, but I don't think it's ever too late. Uh, I, I saw people that, uh, you know, 10, 15 or more years into their career um, sort of hit a wall. And once you sort of expose them to the ideas of leadership and some of the key concepts, um, they, they see what's been, what's been sort of hindering them to take that, that next step. And, and once they sort of latch on and invest, um, their, their impact uh, can, can exceed what they've done in, in previous years in their career. I talk a lot about becoming a student of leadership. I have the idea, I, I write a blog for my website, and one of the things I'm going to, to write about is the notion that um, how leaders need to invest in leadership development. I think people have this misconception that once they become or put in a leadership role, whether it's a senior technical role or a supervisory role, that that's an indication that, okay, I've got it figured out. And having studied leadership for for over 10 years now and, and studied a lot of leaders, um, more people don't have it figured out than do. I can tell you that for sure. So I think even, even people that consider themselves to be good leaders need to continuously be students of leadership. And I've seen the best leaders are the ones that do this, that, that they are just passionate about, about learning and picking up any new leadership idea or concept or learning from any experience. Uh, the third thing is to take on challenging roles and opportunities. I think, again, this gets to statisticians kind of stepping out of their comfort zone. At some point, um, when when people kind of break free of the, okay, I'm not just here to provide technical support, um, that uh, they they kind of see that, yeah, they, they make themselves a little bit vulnerable there, but um, the learning um, and the development is is just tremendous. And I think they find as well, and this is what I found as well, is that I can go toe-to-toe with, with people from other disciplines with regard to thinking strategically, uh, thinking about uh, new ideas, uh, innovating and implementing different different ideas to, to improve any part of a business. Uh, so I don't think we should take a backseat to anyone there. So what are, what are some specific things that, that people can do? Um, one thing is to is to just sign up for non-technical training. And again, I'll call this leadership training. 
Um, there's a couple examples there, but just again, another example from early in my career, um, I took a technical communications class uh, within the first couple of years I was at Eli Lilly and Company. And to this day, the skills that I learned from that class, I mean, they're basically leadership communication skills. And, and I, I use them, I use them throughout my career and I, and I use them and I teach them, uh, today. Um, so, so just e- even honing one skill that's a leadership skill, whether it's how to be a more effective communicator or how to build trust with employees, um, there, there, I think are training courses out there that people can invest in. And as I said, I think we need to change the ratio of the amount of, of technical training people invest in to non-technical or leadership training. If you think about for yourself or even for your colleagues, how much time you invest in going to technical seminars, going to technical conferences, uh, I think you'll start to see that, yeah, maybe I can afford to, to mix in, you know, a, a leadership seminar or uh, a communications class or a negotiations class, you know, once every year. The second idea I would offer is to read the biography of an exceptional leader. Um, This is something I had uh, my students do up at Purdue. I had them write a profile of um, uh, a a leader, any leader uh, that that they saw, uh, that they observed. And some of them wrote about, you know, leaders in in society, leaders in, in politics, leaders in business. Some of them wrote about um, leaders around them, classmates, uh, professors, uh, coaches, those types of things. But there, there are lots of biographies of exceptional leaders out there. And you, you can learn a lot simply by reading their stories. Um, you, you, can, you can sort of challenge yourself uh, when you sort of see them talk through situations or experiences and say, do I handle experiences that way that are, that are similar? Or or are there things that I could learn from them? Or sometimes it might just um, might just affirm your approach toward certain situations. Uh, so I think it's a great way to learn. Um, I've I've read several several different biographies of leaders. Um, for anyone familiar over in the states, uh, Bob Gates, who was the Secretary of Defense under Presidents Bush and Obama, wrote a book called Duty. Um, about, uh, when was it? Maybe six, seven years ago. And it was a long book, but, um, Mr. Gates is just an exceptional leader. And, uh, his book was almost, uh, again, just example after example of, of challenges and, and leadership situations and how he handled them. Um, so the third thing would be, as I mentioned previously, to take on a role outside your comfort zone. So, uh, again, I, I think throughout my career, both as a technical statistician and as someone in a management position, that there are always projects and initiatives that are coming up that aren't necessarily uh, technical initiatives. It might be we, we need to implement this in this area or we need to, to change the culture over here. or We need a group to think about how we're going to implement this idea that, that may just be um, nothing to do with, with your technical work. And I finally learned that, uh, when those opportunities would come up, that, that I would volunteer for them. You get to work with, um, people from different disciplines. You, uh, again, you, you're, you feel a little bit vulnerable because you don't consider yourself an expert, but you actually start to find that you can think, 
um, creatively and strategically with with any of these other folks that you're working with, and you learn from them and they learn from you. Um, so again, I think those are the types of things. So it doesn't have to be a role as a non-statistician, but it could be you're still a statistician, but you're, you're just helping with this team or this initiative um, to uh, uh, just to, to bring your own thinking and ideas. And then the last thing would be to find an experienced uh, leadership coach. Um, so someone, uh, I think great leaders um, know how to develop other leaders. And it's something that, especially as they get later in their career, they enjoy doing. Um, so I, I think if, if you look at someone that you see as a really effective leader, um, just approaching them and saying, hey, can you coach me? Can we spend an hour together once a month? Um, can I just talk through situations and how I'm approaching them? Or can you share your own experiences? Again, these are, these are great ways to learn. And there are things that uh, things that I think a lot of people can do uh, tomorrow, if not in the next you know week or two. So, so those are I think some some specific ideas. Um, I think first and foremost, as Alexander will talk about our training, that um, signing up for leadership training is is a good way to go, and and it helps you become a more a student of leadership. So, so on that topic, you may think, well, there's there's different types of training. Our training is a little bit unique, and, and Alex Alexander will go into that in a few minutes. But you might think about, yeah, I, I see these kind of one day trainings or these these you know one week trainings. Um, so how how about those? And I think there are pros and cons. Now, again, uh, I'll say two things. One is, uh, is I teach some of these type training courses. So I do think they're valuable. I'll talk about the benefits. I'm actually a, a product of one-time training. Um, it was a, a four-day course that I took that really lit a fire under me. So I think that's the first benefit of a one-time training course. They can really light a leadership fire for you. You can see the, the value um, and the difference that strong leadership makes in an organization. And, and that in itself can be very motivating. Um, these one one time courses can can provide basic understanding even within a day um, you'll get a, at least a good understanding of of what leadership is and what it's all about and, and you can get some some depth in a couple areas I know in the trainings we do at, at the joint statistical meetings we focus specifically on influence and, and business acumen and I, and I think we give some people some depth there but there's just so much more. Uh, to cover um, so many different different competencies and concepts that, that you don't have the time. It's a brief, intense commitment, um, and so you really need to to be personally motivated to take that experience and then do something with it. Um, the cons are there, there's little or no action planning. Uh, we try to do this in, in the JSM course that I teach at least give people a couple, have them write down and try to commit to a couple of things. But most of the time, it's just continuing their study. That's the biggest thing is, is try to create this, this habit of, of, of leadership study. Um, as I said, you can have some depth in a couple areas, um, but um, you, uh, the, the breadth is, is, is limited. Um, there, there's no feedback loop. Uh, we try to do some exercises in these courses, but again, they're very quick. And so there's, there's not really a chance to go out and practice um, 
and, and gain experience uh, applying these things in the workplace and then coming back and saying, hey, this worked or here's how it went or, or this went well, then I, I sort of hit this other roadblock or this other challenge. Um, and like I said, it, it's one day, two days, four days. Um, it's difficult to sustain momentum because everyone knows you go to a training class, you come back, and then work happens. Uh, the rest of the company didn't stop functioning. Um, you're, you're slammed with more projects. And, you know, sometimes within a week, you can forget that you were even at that course. Uh, so, so those are the challenges there. Like I said, I, I teach these courses, and I kind of make this clear when I teach them that to tell people that it's really up to you. And there are some little things that you can try to do to create some momentum, um, but it's, it can be difficult. Okay. Thanks so much. Thank you. This is an episode that is a replay of a webinar that Gary and myself did early 2019. And you'll hear Gary talking to slides, but of course you don't see the slides, but I think you can get all of the content also just by listening to it. We are talking about a couple of reasons why we believe that statisticians are failing to lead in terms of uh, not as supervisors, but leading in terms of influencing others. And we'll also talk about a couple of um, things you can do to actually overcome these leadership failures. However, the best things that you can do, um, and that's just from Gary and myself, is uh, to enroll in our leadership program. It's a really, really nice program and set up uh, in a way that Gary and myself would have liked to have it for ourselves when we were younger in our career and what we would have liked to learn early in our career to be much more successful. So we took a long time during our career to gather all these things together, boil it down to the most important parts and then present it back to you so that you can become students of leadership through this leadership program. Gary and myself are very, very passionate about it because we think that leadership is, or failure of leadership, is the main reason why we as statisticians are not having the impact we could have in the work. And therefore, we are not serving patients well enough um, and we are not reaching our potential. Of course, this whole podcast is about this, but um, this leadership program is designed as a program that can help you implement all the learnings in your day-to-day -day activities. Um, so, currently, the card is open for enrolling into this leadership program, and you can find all the details that you need at theeffectivestatistician.com slash course. So just check out this and say you have all the details that you need to make an informed decision. 
This podcast is created in association with PSI, a global member organization dedicated to leading and promoting best practices and industry initiatives. Join PSI today to further develop your statistical capabilities with access to the video-on-demand content library, free registration to all PSI webinars, and much, much more. Visit the PSI website at psiweb.org to learn more about PSI activities and become a PSI member today.